okay, go. Hey, this is Chris Reed from Outdoor SEO, and you're listening to Vroom Vroom with Jeff Smith. Perfect. I loved it. Thank you. All right, I'm going to hit stop, and then I'll be right back. Awesome. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Colburn, thank you so much for being in Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Real good, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this is exciting. Vroom Vroom Veer. Interesting name thank uh, for you. a podcast. Uh, kind of a tongue twister, of course. A little bit. It's I'm a sure little hard to say. Before. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. So let's talk a little bit about your book, Resucceed. Re and then a succeed. Interestingly right. enough, it's not hard all to us, say. No, but no. It, it, it's interesting it's because interesting. actually, there you go. Actually, I, re, I read a book called Rework. Okay, uh, I don't know if you've ever read I that. I think book. I did Great. read that. I did read that book about doing everything differently, and uh, yeah. I had the same idea on throwing a re in there, just because we oftentimes fall. Um, kind of for the lie that our original success or the success that uh, brought us income and brought us um, favor with others and sure. uh, that thing that we were exonerated for or appreciated for or that we received certificates for is actually our success, is the thing that defines us. And mm. there's this little thing that comes up about halfway through your life when you realize, yeah. shoot, I, I'm defined by this stuff that I don't really even kind of care about. Right. So that, <laughs> I, yeah, and we so often just fall into those things, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you Whoops, just raise your I hand. I had a career. Yeah. yeah, yeah you just <laughs> you raise your hand long enough and, yeah. uh, you, you know, at one point, hopefully you're paid for that thing you do. And then if you're not careful, you might assign your identity to it. And right. when you do that, when yeah. you make that mistake, which is also common, you actually, um, you lose yourself in the process. You become to know yourself literally as the thing that you do good uh, right. and paid for rather than who you really are. Right. You start uh, so. associating your sense of self-worth and your happiness and everything is tied to this, all these, this identity that you created because of work. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, yeah. so that that was my story, and actually, sure. two thousand. Let's see, two thousand six, um, okay. Christmas Eve, um, and my one of the early chapters of my book um, speaks of this. I uh, was sitting in our lake house, and we only kind of visited this house on the weekends, and ha had the luxury of having a a place uh, without a TV and, you know, Ooh, without, nice. yeah, without any screens and the, you know, that we were supposedly supposed to play with the kids while we were there. Uh, and, uh, for me on, uh, Christmas Eve, 2006, I could get, 
uh, I couldn't get it out of my mind um, that I wanted to go and sell one more house because at that time I was uh, a top producing real estate agent here in the uh, Seattle area. Okay. And I had, I had sold 120 houses that year. Wow. Uh, and was, Holy cow. That's a lot of houses. Yeah. <laughs> In a year, in one year, yeah, I I'd actually set this goal to to sell 120 houses, and then on Christmas Eve, 2006, I had done just that, and mm. yet I sat on that couch. My uh, mother-in-law and my wife were kind of cleaning up after dinner. My children were um, playing uh, inside uh, their room quietly, I guess as quiet as they could be with Legos. And, uh, <laughs> we, um, we, um, you know, you know, if you were flying the wall, you'd look down and say, man, this guy's living the dream, sold oh, 120 yeah. houses. Sure. Uh, he met his goal. Met his goal. Right. Yeah. Little did anyone know that there was this kind of raging inferno in me because all I wanted was the phone to ring on Christmas Eve. In fact, I had a, uh, a, a start shirt hanging in my car. I was ready to throw it on and, and go to work. Uh, <laughs> wow. You had, it, you had it bad. <laughs> oh, man, I had it bad. And uh, so I finally just jumped out of the couch and uh, said, hey, honey, uh, uh, how late do you think Costco is open? And she said, well, it's Christmas Eve, so probably 9. And I said, it was about 8.30. And I said, I'll be right back. And I drove down to Costco and bought myself. I ran through the door at um, like 8.55 or something. And uh, I knew once they kind of, you know, clicked me in, if you will. You know how they do that at Costco. Sure. Uh, yeah, I knew once I was over the threshold, they couldn't kick me out. And uh, uh, when I was there, I grabbed uh, the first TVD, uh, TV DVD combo I could find and uh, threw it in my cart cool. with okay. uh, 10 movies and thought, I'm going to get my mind off this whole sell work another thing. house deal. Yeah, All work right. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ran home uh, as I was unpackaging the box, uh, the TV out of the box. Uh, my wife said, "I thought, I thought we weren't going to have a TV. I we were uh, yeah, I thought we were going to skip that." And I said, "We were, but not tonight. I need to get my mind off this whole not selling a house deal." Okay. She kind of quietly let me set up, and then I grabbed the movie World Trade Center. I don't know if you remember that movie uh, with Nicolas Cage about people jumping out of windows and nine one one. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a horrible, actually horrible <laughs> movie. Not a Christmas Eve movie, really. You know. Okay. But and it was really yeah. bad. Was it the kind of bad that it's so bad it's almost good because you you make fun of it? Well, no that that's a typical Nicolas Cage movie. Sorry for all those who love Nicolas Cage, yeah. but this what happened this was then? a. I don't let we. That's another show. Jeff, yeah, it so, is. You're right. You're right. I mean, he used right. to be like pretty good. <laughs> I mean, really? He made some good weird. movies. Then it got, yeah. It got weird. It's, it's like, yeah. Yeah. so something yeah. expired. He made a deal with the devil and the, at the crossroads, and and then yeah. his luck yeah. ran out. You know, I think he needs to resucceed personally, but probably. That's what, so. Yeah, probably. I. Uh, so <laughs> I uh, at any rate, I, I I threw in World Trade Center, which happens to be a. Uh, PG-13 movie, but it really it should be an R movie. I mean, it literally, people are jumping out of the windows of the World Trade Center because they're, you know, the fire is yeah, yeah. coming towards them. That's sad. And yeah. uh, I, put a, I put a kid under each arm, you know, a boy under each arm. I had two boys at the time. Um, and uh, and I put, it, I, I put a boy under each arm and I was all ready to watch this movie. My wife said, oh no, we're not watching a movie about nine one one on uh, Christmas Eve. And I looked at her and I you know, give her, give her that kind of look like, 
you know, how dare you tell me I can't play the movie I just bought at Costco out of a, you know, rage of getting my mind off of you know, selling yet one more house. And, uh, mm. but I knew she was right. And, uh, that pretty much made all 10 movies that I bought uh, not applicable for the evening oh. because they were all the type of movie that right. would be inappropriate for little boys. So, ah. uh, so, so you should have gotten I mean, the best Christmas movie ever. I, I, I really should have. Die hard. There we go. I was hoping you were going <laughs> to say something, you know, Christmas shoes or something. I did not want warmy fuzzy. I wanted. Yeah, die I, hard. <laughs> be honest with you, I needed, I needed to watch people literally jumping out of a window to get my mind off the fact that my phone was not ringing on Christmas Eve. Mm. You know, for like for your listeners, the whole sales or really just achievement is this, this you chase after the more reminds me of the book essentialism where um, Gary McEwen um, talks about this. Yeah, I read un- that book too. This book. undisciplined pursuit of more. Yes. Uh, right, right. And whereas he kind of speaks towards the disciplined pursuit of less, which equals more. So it was this huge moment. I hadn't read the book. It wasn't out at that time, but I knew something was horribly wrong, and yet I couldn't put my finger on it. It was almost like a, like some sort of compulsion, right? Like you were, you just felt like uh, anxious because you weren't doing your thing. Well, yeah, you're. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously defined by my next deal. I was right. only as good as, if you will, my right, next. Right. Real estate transaction. And this is driving you a little batty that you weren't yeah. able to do it. No, I get it. A lot Absolutely. of people, you, you, you. At least your choice was, you know, really crappy movies instead of, you know, the the usual suspects of overeating or alcohol or drugs or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So well, good for you. Exactly. You know what? You're but right. We've all that, been there, though. Yeah. And in, in, but it's interesting because it's not just uh, high achievement or lots of money. It's, no. I mean, if it can be anything that you get. Yeah. yeah. A great, you fall into yeah. great mom and dad, right? A great right. mom and dad loses themselves in that achievement, and there's massive achievement there. Um, loses, and then their children move away, and then they no longer have themselves. They they're lost in that the the good work that they did with their children. I mean, it's my wife uh, volunteers and helps um, nonprofit organizations put on auctions and. Uh, and she's highly appreciated for that. And, you know, interestingly enough, she kind of hates it, actually. <laughs> so, but yet every year she's invited right. to do it, and every year she agrees, right? Right. Um, but this, there's this, we get, we, we assign and then accept that our identity is the things we do uh, well in life rather than kind of the reasons behind the reasons why we do things. It's mm. the, I'd say it's the invisible parts of us that matter more at one point in our life. Mm-hmm, uh, for it's sure, the reasons behind the reason it's behind our eyes. Uh, those things that that we that we really I feel are challenged to bring forward at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we pick the kind of obvious in front of our eyes stuff, um, and yeah. we chase after those things. But at one point, you know, kind of your Maslow hierarchy of needs are met at least yeah, hopefully. Right, right, right. right. And, like, hold on, before I someday don't wake up. Uh, I might want to take a look-see at why I'm really here. And that's what resucceeding is all about. Okay. I like that. Wow. That was, uh, you know, I just said describe your book, but that was a really great story. (laughs) Great talking to you today. (laughs) No, no, no. It's not over. (laughs) 
<laughs> so let's let's get into a little bit of your backstory. So you, you kind of like glazed over where you started off. Where did you say in Pasadena? Yeah, uh, way back when, grew up in uh, Glendale, right next door to Pasadena. Sure, sure. Yep, yep. I went to school kind of like in that area for a massage when I was screwing around going to school. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, in Studio City. So that's oh, yeah. kind of in that neighborhood. So you went to school for massage? Or that's correct. For massage? No, no, to oh. to give massage. I actually <laughs> worked in a spa for about a year and a half. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was a, you know, as as during the session, that was a really good job. Everything else about it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I grew up down in, in California. Um, I, I slowly made my way up the coast. Uh, went to junior college in uh, San Luis Obispo. Ended up at the University of Oregon. I'm a duck. Yeah, cool. Uh, I don't know if that's okay with, uh, with you. Of but, course. Uh, and uh, I uh, met my wife there, and then she's from Seattle. So uh, one thing led to another, and I moved to Seattle and haven't haven't left Seattle. So Seattle yeah, that's is what, awesome. That's, I, I love that that area. Oh, that's a great area. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's not enough sun. I mean, there's no way around that. But no, it is. I already know you're lying. Everybody that lives there just says that, so more people don't move there. Well, you know, we make <laughs> sure there's sun when you visit. I will. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> No, I know it rains a lot, but it's not so bad. It's not so bad. So, what was uh, so? Did you do? Um, did you do all your real estate stuff in that area? Right. I, I originally uh, was uh, an an executive director, I guess, associate executive director for the YMCA and in Greater Seattle. There's a 22 branch system of YMCAs uh, in Seattle. My wife actually worked at a different YMCA that I did. And I chose that. Originally, I chose that career right out of college because I looked up to the directors that um, I knew when I was when I was a kid and attending the Y or going to camp down in California, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, um, so I looked up to those individuals and thought, hey, wouldn't wouldn't it be cool to work at a place um, where kids look up at you, look up to you? So I uh, I, I started working there and uh, quickly realized uh, after a few years that it would be tough to um, raise a family on a nonprofit income. Sure. Um, and I, we knew but it was my, probably pretty fun, though. Oh, abso- absolutely. It's a, right. it's its own little world. And, uh, and yeah, and you know, you can work out every day. That's a, you know, a, pre- <laughs> right. a well appreciated uh, aspect of the job. So, um, but yeah, so we, uh, you know, we, my wife uh, discontinued her employment when we had our first child, and then I went into real estate. Um, and everything was going great. In fact, all the way up to that 2006 uh, time frame. Christmas yeah, Eve, right. And then I actually, I hired a coach when, you know, I had that fateful experience on Christmas Eve 2006. You'd think I figured it out, but absolutely not. I, well, you uh, kind I, of got an impression is how that you had this feeling that something's not right, right? Right. So then but you, you don't know, really I, know what it is yet. Right. So I hired a coach to kind of help me on that. And it was a business coach. And the cool thing about uh, Amanda, my coach, was that she never met me in person. In fact, I've never, ever met her in person yet. Um, In 2007, I hired her and we only talked by phone, which I loved because, you know, you I don't. I wasn't getting distracted by her. She wasn't getting distracted by me. It was right. just a listening thing. It was really, really effective uh, and powerful. Oh yeah. Uh, so I told great. him. 
Right. So I told her my or I told her my goal was to make another three hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, at that point, I was making well over a million dollars a year, and I and and you know, and I didn't know why I felt so uncomfortable on Christmas Eve. I just knew I did. So I hired this coach to help me make another three hundred thousand dollars. More she, money will make me feel better. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So this, I hope this resonates for for those who who yeah. Uh, no, yeah, uh, yeah. some of your listeners that kind of room room veer. Yeah, this is kind a, of when, when you're. I would say like uh, what what you're doing there is like grasping, you know, that reaching that you were talking about in the in the parlance of the show. Vroom vroom is sort of like a little bit of you are in you're in sleepwalk mode. You think more, faster, better, right? Um, just just work more. Everything will be okay. And and yeah, and and when you had that little awakening, that was a veer. Yep. See, so you didn't really know. You kind of like, man, I, I can't believe I should be chilling out and you know celebrating my victory, but I want to go sell another house. <laughs> something in you knew that you know something was wrong, but you didn't know what was going on yet. So I get it. Yeah. Well, and the and the cool thing is that I hired the coach and I asked Amanda, "Hey, can you help me make another three hundred thousand dollars a year?" Figuring, like you said, that that would fix everything. Sure. She said, "James, I think I can, but I have one question for you." And I I uh, I said, "Well, what's that?" And I'm thinking, you know, what? I mean, I I really don't want to be asked a question. I just want you to help me make another three hundred thousand. <laughs> like, you know, can you wait just a minute? Get I'm going paying you. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and she said, "James, do you play Legos with your kids?" And I, I, I was taken aback by that. I didn't know why the heck she asked me if I played Legos with my kids. But I said, you know, I got to be honest with you, I don't. I mean, when I get on my hands and knees down with my kids at, on their level and I start playing Legos, all I can do is think of all the stuff that I have to do for work. And right. literally all the stuff I have to do, period, that has nothing to do with playing Legos. And, uh, and I said, it, to, to the point where, you know, I'm thinking of a way out. I'm thinking hopefully they get involved with their own Lego creation so that I can step out of this. Yeah. And uh, she said, so here's the deal. I can help you with this making more money thing, but only when you can play Legos with your kids. And, and I said, well, what do you mean by that? She goes, I believe that at the point that you play Legos with your kids and I, and, and she was, Actually, speaking of just playing Legos in general with people, connections, those right, I right. appreciate and love, um, at the point that you can be a, a guy all about connection and a contribution, that only at that point will you be able to also add another $300,000 to your income that you literally have tapped out, in her opinion, James has tapped out until he learns the value of playing Legos. I like that. Yeah, it was powerful, and I've, I obviously never forgot it. It's a chapter in my book um, uh, about the the value of playing Legos metaphorically in life with those you love, those you care for. Right. Well, just being there, being with them, and not yeah. being distracted by your big to do list, and you know, and and again, more, right? Yeah, more, more, more. <laughs> and Chase doing yeah. that thing that. Uh, that's the only thing that you know how to do that makes you happy almost. It's like oh, yeah. you're addicted to success or whatever it is that you 
have defined, right? Yeah, you know, the the uh, someone told me once, James, I think you were seduced by it. I mean, and yeah, in fact, it's, it's, it's interesting. To all it's of like, us, I think, becomes like a massive go-to for us. You know, it's like when in doubt, go do right. some, you know, achievement thing, and that'll uh, make you feel good. Yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is a bit one-dimensional, and so there was this. Not a bit. I say a bit in a nice way, but it was. It's a lot one-dimensional it's like totally. a one-dimensional life right and it's we're work- more workaholic basically yeah i mean we're just we're more than one dimension i mean we're we're whole people yeah and and uh and yet when when's the last time we worked on that wholeness is was the question that my coach was asking me really mm. um uh and so yeah so we worked on that for two years i worked on playing legos uh metaphorically with family and friends i mean not metaphorically literally you know literally with my children but also just i we called it kind of the new james uh in fact uh, those i worked with said whoa this, this is, is this the new james who are I, you <laughs> yeah it's like what 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 you know because you used to come in here with blinders on and uh and, you know, we, you know, you gave us not the time of day. Um, you were great with your clients, but certainly, you know, not with those you worked with. So it was this huge, it was this awakening uh, moment for me. But then, Jeff, I don't know if you remember, but the market crashed in 2000, like eight. late eight, nine, eight. Well, 10, right, 11, right, right, and maybe right. 12 and 13 for that matter. <laughs> right. I mean, it was, it, it, it was crashed crash. and it stayed it was, crashed. Yeah. Kind of a great recession, really. Correct. And, uh, and, you know, and, and during that time, I um, decided to go back to grad school, not because I was interested in changing careers, but I had a, a fair bit of dry powder in the bank and, uh, uh, and, <laughs> and <laughs> I was uh, um, interested in learning how to articulate um, better. Um, I realized that by, by not having the skills and the ability to articulate my position, my stance, my beliefs in a clear way that people um, could resonate with, um, I was being limited. And I, I knew that going back to grad school um, would be primarily that. I mean, there's very few multiple choice tests in grad right, school, right. mostly writing. Yeah, it's right. all writing. Yeah, right. Right. So yeah. I went back and and uh, and I wrote a book instead of a thesis um, when I graduated, and that book ended up getting written three more times, so a total of four. Wow. Um, and then here I am in in March. I I published Resucceed. Wow. So your thesis became the book. Or well, in a w- the in book a way, was yeah. the thesis. It, it's yeah. yeah wow. So they gave me the option of writing a book in lieu of a thesis, and thesis is typically to stay on a shelf, catch dust. Sure. Um, And unless you're really going to pursue getting published and then there's all these rules about publishing. If you're going to do all that work. Yeah, just write a book. book. Publish it. And yeah. So I I wrote this book called I Am Sham. Um, And that was the thesis book, if you will. Um, And and the concept of I Am Sham was that I I was uh, doing some consulting with a very successful um, uh, business. He had several businesses, hired me to do some marketing consulting for him. And during that process, um, he told me, um, I was interviewing him for one of the papers I was writing, um, f- you know, during grad school. And, um, he said, James, one of the things that I do is I lock myself in my office cause I'm scared to death that my employees will realize I'm a sham. I said, whoa, 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 back up, explain what you mean by that. And uh, he said, well, you know, I mean, I don't deserve all this success. And 
I kind of act, you know, in a way it's kind of like accidental. I don't even know how all this happened. It's just here now. And if my employees actually realize that I don't know what the heck I'm doing, they, they just, they'd flee. And I, (laughs) if you knew the businesses that this gentleman had, uh, you, I mean, you, you know, some of the businesses this gentleman has and it, 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 if you knew that, you would be like shocked that this man is saying this to you. And yet right. I realized this is an epidemic. So there's this. Everybody's success, doing that. Yeah. yeah. This success achievement thing, which isn't us. It's just this outward symbol of success that we've attached to. Right. And assigned identity to. Yeah. No, but I think when you say that, I think people that first off, it's like that. It, okay, there's that, right? Where you're feeling it, but you're keeping it hidden from the world, right? Like he was, he was like, he told you in confidence, but he couldn't go out and shout it out to the troops, right? Exactly, exactly. Right. But once you kind of like know that's there and kind of embrace it a little bit, then mm. things start to change, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, you know, exactly. What, well, it's interesting what you're- Because everybody feels it. I mean, everybody feels like, they're a big phony. <laughs> There's even a word for that. What What am I thinking of? Oh, have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? Is that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's it's perfect. Like, right, yes. right, right. That's yeah. what we're like. Uh, I felt similar to that when I was, leadership was thrust upon me. Right? <laughs> you know, when I was in the Air Force, all of a sudden I came back from a deployment and they gave me this very long story of, oh, these two guys that outrank you. We don't like those guys, so we're going to kick them out, and we're going to put you in church. And I was like, gulp. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, you know? So I definitely had to fake it for, you know, you fake it until pretty soon, you know, you don't know what you're doing, but you kind of figure it out and keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, we, we tend to do that in all areas of our right. life. I mean, I, yeah. I kind of faked being a, initially a husband. Like, I didn't know how, how to do no, that right. Course, and, you know, it took me several clueless. years to, yeah, I mean, then we I kind of faked the whole dad thing initially. And then, you know, I mean, just kind of go. But at one point, you know, you get pretty good at faking it. And right. you realize the difference between faking it and authentically living. Yes. Um, so there, there, yeah. So absolutely, there was this, um, you know, just this uh, clarity that came over me as I um, realized. Well, and like I said, the market crashed and kind of helped me um, wake with, up a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's a you big fear you- because it's like. Huh, I don't think there's 120. <laughs> I couldn't sell 120 houses if I wanted to. There's not well, that you, many houses to sell. Yeah, you could list them, but they wouldn't sell right. at that time. Right. Everyone was on the fence. But, uh, you know, I mean, but in the process, you know, the first thing I realized is that when you lose 80% of your income and you make the money that I was making at the time, you're still making a pretty good That's income. still pretty good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Isn't so that, that was the whole. Yeah. And then that was the whole thing where I was like, well, what the heck, you know, I'll just go and back to grad school and work on this whole articulation of purpose. And, uh, but I didn't like the name I am sham. Um, I thought it was negative. Um, and so I needed to, so I worked that, I I spent several years kind of thinking, well, I, you know, I don't want to just speak of the epidemic. I want to speak, um, towards solution. Um, I want to, um, offer something that I use to lift out of, uh, the sham, if you will, right. of our our success and achievement. Um, Way to go positive on that. Thank you. Yeah, and so it was a so I moved to the the name Resucceed, and then the the subtitle is um, 
uh, all about our, uh, well, I can read the exact subtitle, but it's pretty long. About, <laughs> yeah. Create an extraordinary future future while you sleep by using the five minute epic evening ritual, which I really dig. I, I you know, I was going to tell you that like right out the gate because, uh, everybody on podcast talks about what tells, tells, tell us your morning routine, right? And, and I always want to say, well, my morning routine starts the night before. <laughs> well, you are, you need to write a review on, on Amazon for me. Oh I will. Gosh. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, the, the, you know, life happens. Tony Robbins once said, life happens for us, not to us. Yeah. And I, and I really love that quote because when you start to open your eyes to that, you see it. If you don't believe that life ha- life happens for us, not to us, then guess what? It is happening to you. Correct. But if you believe that life is happening for you, and you and you, and you your, say thank you to whatever shows up, right? And I'm not saying, you know, I one of the things I hate is the whole uh, everything happens for a reason statement because I got to be honest with you, everything kind of BS. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> everything doesn't happen for a reason, but right. everything. Every like if life is happening for us, then our only job is to open our eyes and notice why. Right. You know, notice why. And so even this, even our connection here, or uh, a few listeners that might be listening today and would resonate, that that's that's what this was all about today. That's what this preparation was for. That's what this conversation is for. And 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 I believe that in all aspects. Um, and rather than fighting upstream, if you will, for that one more deal, yeah. uh, you know, but I, as a part of the whole life happens for us thing, I ended up hiring a, a coach to kind of get my butt uh, in gear and get this book finished. Obviously, I had written it three times and I was in the process of writing it a fourth time. And as you can imagine, I was basically perfecting upon it, which is a <laughs> right. significant yes. issue with entrepreneurs. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you should have you should have uh, shipped it a long time ago, essentially. Is what, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, entrepreneurs str- struggle with ADD or self-proclaimed ADD and uh, uh, perfectionism. Right. Uh, really, that's really what it comes down to. And I was deep into that. In fact, I created this goal to finish the book, um, but uh, I had no plans of publishing it. Uh, and so I but I knew that I needed to get out of my own way. So I hired this uh, guy by the name of Hal Elrod. I don't know if you've ever heard I've the heard book. Of Hal Elrod. Uh, Mir- Miracle Morning. Right. Is- which, you know, we're back, uh, Jeff, to the, the whole morning ritual Correct. aspect. And so I was talking with Hal about, you know, the epidemic of uh, the sham of achievement and success and, and one-dimensional living and my, you know, uh, Christmas Eve 2006 story. And I was explaining that story to him. He said, James, it, this is all great and everything, but now I kind of just want to blow my head off because you're not giving me anything to attach to to fix this problem. And I know so many people struggle with it. Right, uh, and yet you haven't. You're not supplying a solution for those that would read it to lift out of this. And there are so many. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, th- thousands of thousands. Yeah, 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 it's an epidemic. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of like the uh, genesis, if you will, of the the um, uh, midlife crisis, if you will. But right. I, I view the midlife crisis is not a breakdown, but a breakthrough. If you right. look at it that way, of course, because life happens for you. It's like uh, a, it's an awakening. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, he, I said, well, you know, so what are you saying? He says, well, James, what I'm saying is what what is the things that you did to kind of resolve through that? Okay. And I said, well, I do this one thing in the morning or in the evening where I just write down three great questions on a three by five card right before I go to sleep. Just questions that I don't have the answer to believing that while I sleep, my creative mind uh, and uh, through my subconscious and access to the miraculous will bring the answer. Just I open myself up to those things that I don't have the answer to because I've been chasing after having all the answers and coming up with them on my own, which successful people do. You know, that's kind of the the thing that successful people pride themselves on. And I was one of them, but right. I, once I surrender to the fact, I, d- I don't have all the answers. Right. And then ask the question just five minutes before I go to sleep, writing it down on a three by five card, um, resisting the, de- the need, the desire to answer it, but rather open myself up to a creative answer and the miraculous for that answer while I sleep. Amazing stuff arrives the next day. Wow. And that's example. the five yeah. Give us an example of something that worked, if you got well, one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's as it's as simple as even finishing this book. Um, oh, that's good. One, one of the one of the um, questions that I was asking, and uh, by asking a wrong question, I my, through my sleep. And there's a real. The book speaks of the science of sleep, okay. and how your brain uses different parts while you're sleeping versus while you're awake oh, yeah. to reason through and answer things. Oh, so yeah. this, is a, this isn't woo-woo scientific kind of uh, self-helpy stuff. It's actually real. Right. Right, right, right. There's a real power in letting go of trying to have all the answers and opening yourself to just asking great questions. Right. Um, when, I, when I was originally writing down this question about finishing the book, I wrote down, when am I going to find enough downtime um, to finish my book? Mm. Well, uh, never. That's true. You know, I mean, I have three kids. <laughs> I, have three kids. I keep, my, keep myself extremely busy right. by design. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, it, it, the whole by design is, is the big point is that that, that's how I like things. I like, mm. I like the variety. I like, uh, um, I like to kind of bounce from thing to thing and keep it, keep it fresh and new. And, um, and, and I realized, you know, James, you're asking the you know, the wrong question. So the next evening, right before I went to sleep, I wrote down, let's see if I can get this question right the same way I wrote it down, but it was more like, um, how can I be so inspired by my crazy, busy life that I'm duty bound and responsible to sit down and write another chapter? Oh, I like that better. And it, it, it ended up, <laughs> Then all of a sudden it was like, you know, the crazy day happened, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking, how can I notice the inspirational things that I feel responsible, responsible, have a duty to write down for those who may read this book in the future? And that's how the book got finished. All, uh, well, of, a sudden, that, all of a sudden, yeah. the little time cracks and nooks and crannies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to yeah. watch that football game again or yeah. <laughs> whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. I mean... To be honest with you, I was going to bars with Wi-Fi to write chapters. Um, at Whatever one point, works. I thought, 
I thought it was like, uh, you know, a little more creativity, you know, have a couple beers and then you, you know, maybe. Well, there's people around too, which (laughs) strangely enough helps. I do, I do really well, not in a library, but in a, in a busy space. No, uh, yeah. No, like I – have you ever tried to – yeah, like say library is too sleepy for me too, right? Because oh. there's, no, there's no noise and, and it's like you're not allowed to talk. You can just whisper. It's like I just start nodding off. <laughs> there's not enough going on. But if I go to like say Starbucks are a little too um, noisy. But say like a, a let's see, a bar would work for me for sure, um, or a food court. Yeah. Oh, it, without a question, if if it's busy, and if it's right. not busy, I might put on you know to write another chapter. I would be playing music or yeah. even some. Normally, not someone talking because it would mess up my writing. But right, some sort of like uh, instrumental music or something. Right. Yeah, right. that works great. So so now. Is there anything else behind the science of sleep? I get more sleep, or is it just the uh, the questions and the waking up with really cool answers, <laughs> which is really cool? Uh, so the the science of sleep backed up with ramping down, ramping down for your evening. So what oh, I found, for sure, right? The ramping <clears throat> well, here, down ritual, right? Highly successful people. Yeah. They can't bargain with their morning. They got to wake up at a certain time, pretty much, right? Right. And and especially if you're going to have a, a morning ritual, which right. if you go and Google it, that's kind of like a key component of being successful is having a bit of a morning ritual. So uh, highly successful people typically can't bargain with the morning. When that alarm goes off, maybe they'll snooze it. But right. really successful people might even move their alarm clock into another room. <laughs> um, you know, for me, right, my... Right. Th- my three by five card the, with the three questions is sitting on top of my phone across my room so that there, so when that alarm goes off, there's not an excuse to hit snooze. Um, so right. that's I how I designed it. But, but what's interesting is that as, as adults, you know, we looked up to, uh, when we were kids, we looked typically looked up to, to the adult, adults who could stay up late. Right, right, right. And then we became an adult. And we can stay up late, and so nobody's we, nobody's telling you to go to yeah. bed anymore. So you and, can stay up as long we, as you want. <laughs> and we do, like literally. I know. <laughs> like, I, so when I started working on this whole uh, articulating the five minute five minute epic evening ritual and realizing that you know there's a lot of little things we do in our in our evenings to mess up the ability to have a restful sleep to right. to to really be prepared to to have your mind uh, you know the science of sleep go to work. Uh, and so when I started kind of really examining it, uh, the first thing that happened is I started going to sleep earlier. And my wife was like, what the heck? I mean, this is sure. like, seriously, 930. Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> what like, have you done with my husband? Awkward, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to sleep before my, my kids. And, you know, it's just, but one of the, one of the things I realized is, you know, there's just certain things that you just have to do to ramp down. Um, for a restful sleep. And, and since that sleep is so important, especially if you're going to ask great questions and then be a- open to the answers and receive the answers, you really do need to ramp down for sleep. So I actually created uh, uh, what I call the five-minute epic evening ritual checklist, which you can download on my website at James Colburn, C-O-L-B as in boy, U-R-N dot net um, for free, as well cool. as uh, free... 
three free chapters of the book. So, you know, oh, there's wow. yeah. nice. There, it's actually free. I, there's I no strings. So <laughs> no, you don't uh, even not even a first name and an email. Well, <laughs> I, I have to email it to you, but you know. Okay, well there you go. That's still free. <laughs> and so if it's the thing is it's not free because I pay a service to send you the email, but um, but uh, right. otherwise, uh, understood. Um, but otherwise, uh, um, but you know the the five minute epic evening ritual checklist also has examples of great of of the great questions, uh, oh, nice. as well as the down process for sleep, which I think everyone could benefit, even if they just took three or four of those kind of ramp down things and implemented in their life. Like one of the big things for me is that, you know, for example, if you pop a bottle of wine in the evening, what is that code for? That's code for, I have to finish the whole bottle, right? Because day old <laughs> wine is not good. And as an adult, everybody like knows going, that. And as an right. adult, rarely is there someone going, no, you don't. You're just going to cap it and then you'll, you know, have one glass for the next four days. No, that's not how wow. it works. You immediately yeah, yeah. start. So, you know, you have, so, okay, shoot. If you want to drink a bottle of wine, you might want to start a little earlier because drinking a full bottle of wine or even half a bottle of wine and sharing it with someone you love will mess up your restful sleep. So you have to time that right. Right. Um, that's true. You know, get. Getting off the screens. I mean, that's not just for kids. Right. So getting off the screens, including, you know, including, you know, a final check uh, on Facebook right before you go to sleep. I mean, I think all those things are valuable. Um, but that ramp down process um, and then just it's just just right before you go to sleep asking three great questions. And the questions are different for me every single night. So it's not like I'm asking the same questions forever. Um, but they're centered around three different areas. So one is in these are broken up in sections in the book. One is called reassessment or reassessing. Okay. And then reengaging in your life and then reaffirming. So there's a reassess, reengage, and reaffirm question. And this, it's nothing has to be perfect. You just have to be open to asking three great questions right before you go to sleep, writing out on a three by five card, resisting the, the need to find the answer before you go to sleep, right, opening, right. open yourself, eagerly wait for the answer the next day. And I kind of think it, it, it might have an effect on me of sort of like, uh, you know that when you when you don't have a ramp down scenario, right? And your and your mind is still buzzing with all the things that, you know, your brain is still in problem solving mode, right? Oh. Sometimes I will jump out of bed and just like, not necessarily a to do list, but just like just a, like a bullet of I'll deal with this later. <laughs> It's like a note to myself and then give my, my conscious brain permission to go to sleep. Right, right. It's almost like the same concept that you're talking about here. Um, yeah. It's just yours is more positive, <laughs> which I like. Well, and so what, what happened with this three-question thing is that I realized that I could actually throw away my to-do list, which I know is sacrilegious. But oh, I love throwing I, away the to-do list. That's great. Yeah, I just got rid of it because what I realized is it became a to-remember list because – it got too long. Right. I mean, it was, and right. why did it get too long? Because I put a bunch of junk on it. I had no plans on doing. Right. And, and because I'm a high achiever, you know, type A type, um, if I didn't get to any items on my to-do list, I would just literally cross off certain things that no longer applied. Right. That's garbage. And I'm then not going to do that. Yeah. 
And then I would feel like I did three or four items, you know, because I crossed out three or four items. <laughs> there, there's definitely a psychological benefit to lining things off of the to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Well, there's yeah. a huge psychological benefit to saying, James, you're a big kid. You know exactly what you need to do. If you need to write it down, then it's not that important. Just do what you need to do, period. So I just decided to get rid of the to-do altogether. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't place a few tasks in my calendar um, that I can't forget. The reminders, right. Yeah, reminders. And I do like, you know, I'll do a 30-minute time block for something, um, which is much more effective than an an 80-item to-do list. But, you know, really, we don't – my book speaks – towards the fact that we don't want someone micromanaging us, right? Like when we work for someone, we have no interest. I don't care who you are. I, I, I know not one person that says, oh, no, I love to be micromanaged. No. But when we micromanage ourselves, we don't like that either. I mean, we will rebel against, against our yourself. own management. <laughs> yes. Right. So when you That's go true. To sleep, so, so your great questions isn't how can I kick my butt in gear tomorrow and work out? Okay, no, that was a slap. That's uh, bullying yourself into working out, right? Mm, mm, so that's right. not the questions we're asking. We're not just rephrasing uh, to-do list items in question format. We're actually asking great questions, seeing our life through a different lens because we're seeing it through the lens of curious about the, thing, the life we have not yet lived. Right, so and then it's the, happening for us, something yes, to be right. grateful for. So we've all gone to sleep and we've all said to someone in our life, I need to sleep on this decision. Oh, yeah. And the difference is I'm sleeping on questions seven days a week. So I'm working on this sleep on it muscle seven days a week. That's the <laughs> only difference. That's You're the sleep only on difference. it muscle. I love that. Uh, sleep on it muscle. Uh, and so my, you know, my tagline best. should be just sleep on it because yeah. really the point is that we, we don't surrender to those things we don't know enough. We don't open ourselves up to the kind of the miraculous nature uh, of our brains and our creative subconscious, as well as um, the divine miraculous and showing up and providing assistance in those areas that we don't yet have clarity. Yeah. You know, I was going to say when you were talking about like some of the tips of getting better sleep, um, I was going to tell a brief story. I know we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Oh, yeah. So, um, but, uh, what was it? Oh, right. The story of, uh, the power outage. So, uh, maybe like a year or two ago, we lost power because somebody ran over, a, a power pole, like, uh, just up the street from where I lived and my whole neighborhood didn't have power for, better part of like it it started in the morning and it didn't come on until the following morning right okay so i had to listen to my football game during football season in my car (laughs) but anyway uh the point (laughs) of the story is is uh from you know it was fall so it gets pretty dark pretty early you know in the evenings so i was it was utterly dark from you know in the house other than flashlights from you know like sundown until i think it was like 8 or 8:30 and i mm. my wife was still like reading by uh by lantern light <laughs> oh, right little house and burger right right yeah. and and i'm like i'm going to bed and she's like what time is it i'm like i don't care 
<laughs> and that's when I learned that, you know, that that um, old thing about, you know, when animals go to sleep, it's because it's dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> that That's still in us, you know. So part of my routine it's is... a great story. Yeah, hanging out in a dark room. So I got one of those little uh, uh, Himalayan uh, rock salt lights that you can make it really dim and it's just orangey and warmy yeah. and glowy. Right. And I'll hang out and listen to music. You can't read by that. So, you know, I'll just sort of putz around in the bedroom until I'm feeling nappy. And then and then I'm, that helps, you know. Yeah. How many people do that? Because, Nobody. you know, in highly successful people, they'll celebrate, they'll stay out late, they'll right. party. It's like they're fighting then, sleep like a teenager. Right. And then in the morning, of course, <laughs> no options, right? So the only the only option is to go to sleep late. And yet the most important aspect of your morning is your evening. So For it, sure. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. See, I like I'm, that glowy rock salt idea that I've seen some of those. I didn't know you could dim them. Yeah, they have a dimmer. They're not really from the Himalayas, though, just so you know, so okay, you don't get gotcha. mad. So get it. Get it get, <laughs> I don't know where I they're from, but. I won't get mad. Yeah. <laughs> this has been great. So so let's see here. Let's talk a little bit more about all your Twitters and your James Colburns. So James Colburn, that's uh, James, like you usually see it, but and you're not like the old actor from when we were kids. Uh, you are no, C-O-L-B-U-R-N. Yeah, I have an L. Right. Dot net. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was like, why does that name sounds familiar? Because <laughs> you're old, you bastard. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, you, you've got a Twitter at James underscore Colburn. Uh, you're on Facebook, James Colburn author. And uh, everybody else, I guess you can get at James dot net. So this has been a blast. Thanks, James. Jeff, thank you so much. What a, I mean, just like you said, this is casual. This is just hang out and talk. It's and just I hang can out do, and talk. I can do that all day long, so yeah. I appreciate it. And you it. got all your stuff in, see? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, James. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.